Hi everyone and welcome to Fika. Oh, it's not working. <laughs> okay, excuse me everyone, my go live button. No, well, there's nobody there because it's not going live. Oh, hello everyone and welcome to Fika. We had a little mishap there with my go live button, but I've got it all worked out. So I'm live now and there's three of you out there. So fantastic. Thanks for sticking with it. Um, today's guest is Janice J. Richardson. She's an author who was inspired by her experience as a funeral director to write the making of a funeral director and her cozy mystery series, the Spencer Funeral Home Niagara cozy mystery series, which has been acquired for television development. She was also inspired by her experience as a single as a single, as a special needs mom, as well as being on several advisory committees for special needs to write fading expectations. But as much as she has been inspired by her experiences, Janice has inspired other writers and aspiring authors, much more, including myself. She's always there with a pat on the back or a helpful hint or whatever is needed. And what she thought I needed this week was to learn about the light and fluffy subgenre, which brings us to her series that is in editing at the moment. Um, I haven't even had a sneak peek at it. So the Sam series, which would fall under women's literature as a genre, but the light and fluffy subgenre as well. And now that I have learned about it, I'm excited about it. And I really want to talk about it. So we'll be doing that later. I met Janice. Janice was my first cold invitation to Fika. And when I say cold, I don't mean distance and standoffish. At least I hope it wasn't. I was hoping it was warm and inviting. But that I didn't know her and she didn't know me. So I had read several of her cozy mysteries. And I thought, I want to talk to this woman. And so I dashed off a quick message. She dashed back a quick yes. And since it was only my second interview, um, I was, I was very nervous. She was nervous not having done very many interviews. And so we bonded and we're still bonding today, which is kind of unfortunate in a way because Janice knows my secrets. But should any of them slip, but should any of them slip, um, I know her secrets as well. So with that content warning, Janice, welcome to Fika. Thank you very much for having me. We've come a long way, Vicki. We, we have, we have. And now things keep, whatever this, this, this problem is, Remove this, this. Okay, I'm removing it. And I'm exiting out. Oh. Why is it? Okay, it's gone and we're going to ignore it. <laughs> Why Great. is this happening today? <laughs> okay, I'm going to put the comments up now. Hopefully that will stop anything else from, from happening. We have come a long way. And you were already in the process of writing writing. Fading expectations when I met you. 
we had just gone um, through the the mysteries and you started on feeding expectations. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that story and why you wanted to write it so much? Fading Expectations is the story of two special needs mothers who uh, meet and bond, both of them very isolated in their um, caretaking. Having been a special needs parent uh, for over 20 years, um, first with my daughter and then with a granddaughter, I wasn't able to uh, to take the other um, children that she had, but they've they've moved into safe homes. One has since died. Um, he was only 19, but that's considering the syndrome that, that we had, we have Coffin-Lowry, which was the first family in Canada with it. Um, I just, I, I had gone through two child rearing stages with special needs children. I'd lost jobs. I lost my career. I lost my health. Uh, but they came first. Always, always, always they came. First. And, uh, it was a tough, tough time. But when you're in it, you do it and you don't know. So when I finally had, due to health issues, I was approached by Community Living and Children's Aid and they said, okay, time for you to move on. We'll take care of them from now on. And they placed them with my other daughter. I moved down here and I, I was lost. I was so lost. And one day I just sat down and I started writing the funeral home series and immediately started working on almost on fading expectations because it's a story that unless you've been through it, um, I don't think a lot of people can fully understand what special needs parents go through at, at certain levels. So that's how it all started. And it just, with the help of a really, really good editor, my, my regular editor, um, it was a two to three year project to get it just tweaked the right way. That's basically it. And I have often toted this as the book you were meant to write. And what I mean by meant is that that doesn't mean people can't write other books. You've done your your mystery series are very well. But it's the one that that voice was inside of you that you needed to get out. And and I think it, it took a lot of out of you. Now, this isn't a memoir. It's a fiction work where you have um, these two imaginary mothers who, who are right, very real in the book. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about their stories without giving out too much? Just, you know. Um, okay. Spoiler alerts. I don't mind doing spoiler alerts. Well, don't do too many spoiler. I'll stop you. I'll stop you. Just give the general, you know, the back of the book. Just give okay. the back of the book. All right. We have two ladies. One is um, not, it's low income, basically. Her husband, not comfortable with having adopted, especially his child, leaves. She's on her own. She becomes increasingly isolated. The second lady is very well off. And she has a beautiful daughter, a very talented daughter, who is in, in a car accident and is, suffers a severe head injury. She, in turn, will not, at the advice of the neurosurgeons, will not let her daughter go. Now, the young mother that's the young, the one mother that is the, not the particularly well-off one is injured severely by her son because as he grows, he becomes more violent. He's, 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 he's Okay, don't he's tell the whole story. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> anyway, they end up in the hospital. They meet each other and it's all, it isn't quite happily ever after, but it is... 
it's a book with an ending that has people making choices, which I didn't set out to do. It was an accident. I didn't realize until after the book was written that I had done that. And I actually like what I've done with that. I think people need to think for themselves and make their own choices and make their own decisions as to how it ended. Well, first of all, I love what you did with it. Thank I you. just like it. I'm hurting it on Facebook. But as, as well, you do point out that there are two, which, which is what I was thinking this morning when I was rewriting out my show notes. There are, there's co, do you see it as having co-protagonists or do you think that one of the women pulls out more than the other or that that will be up to the reader? Because Janice, I think it's Joyce's book myself okay i am i'm okay. a joyous person and I, what's, what's that i didn't i didn't see it that way but you know what i she was my my first character and i i endeared myself to her interesting i'm glad you said that because that helps me you know just understanding it a little better i i don't know well everybody's going to be different someone else might mm -hmm. lean towards olivia right? right but i find that her story was more involving you know or it could be that i just liked her as a character more than olivia okay i'm i'm so so you wrote it as a co-protagonist kind of thing though i i think i set out to do that and i think you're right people each reader sees it differently each reader comes not to a different conclusion because basically there's only two conclusions at the end of the book but i think most people do endear themselves to joyce for some reason i think we identify with her you know, we certainly didn't have Olivia's wealth. So I, I, I think it's easier to identify with Joyce more down to earth and more like us. Yeah, I think I think there's lots of more in-depth questions, which we can't discuss without spoilers. So we will talk about it later. <laughs> there's no one listening. Um, so it, it is definitely a thinking book. Um, not necessarily. A, it is not a light and fluffy book. It is possibly uncomfortable and because of that you felt you felt that you wanted to put warning content warnings on the back of it and so we wanted to discuss that a little bit definitely now i didn't realize until it was written as i said and published um, that i had two endings so when a reader came to me in a, in a review that was ugly, um, it hit me, wait a minute, I didn't set out to do this, but it's happened. I think I'm gonna need to remediate it. So a, a content warning normally is used for abuse or animal cruelty or violence or suicide. So none of those quite fit that. Those are the sort of the top categories, but it's a safety valve, I feel, that for sensitive readers. Um, and one learns to spot them in reviews. Like I said, I didn't like the ending. That's a good example that you maybe need to rethink your ending or if it's in my case, put a content warning on the book. Um, it's what you make it. I, I love when a writer, I love a writer that leaves me with a cliffhanger and then I have to make my own conclusions because I feel like I'm part of it. So I did my best with that. Um, others see at, at, as closure with the content warning, they realize, okay, so this is what I'm thinking, but. I'm safe now because, you know, they did warn me and I did read the book and that's how I see it. And yes, I, I 
think that okay i just don't understand those people like no i understand people getting upset because they've had similar experience in something and it brings back memories and much as i watched you go through as you were completing the writing of this right it takes a toll so you definitely need to you don't need but i i i admire that you put a content warning on the back thank you and there are there it is becoming more and more popular I was I was researching for your show, Janice. I was researching Janice, and and it is becoming more popular, and I can see why. That aside, I'm going to go back to that. I don't, and I just I read the end of that book, and I can't see any other way that it would end. And I think it's important that we do. We've gotten a little too involved in what writers do you know it's you you get the story you read the story you may not like it but that is the story but you can't as an author please everybody i mean that's not going to happen so you have to write your story and leave it within reason i mean we do not want any well you know if you wanted to show a real villain you would have him kick puppies but we don't want <laughs> You, can't, I mean, you cannot tell a reader what to think they're going to think what they think exactly and even it doesn't matter how many checks and balances you've got in place it's they just have if they have their own take and that's probably why readers are so good at reading they love their books but sometimes they have to reach their own conclusions so the content warning sort of gives them a heads up to say okay brace yourself and then make and your own decisions and there's been some lashback on the content warning. Some authors are not pleased with the idea of using them. Uh, we sort of cheated on this and we're brainstorming the other day of why an author, was it brainstorming or was it just going off? I don't know, but why an author <laughs> would not want to use a, a, warning, a warning label. Um, and, you know, we could only think of reasons why they would want to. So, Aside from just out of kindness for your readers and not wanting to take them any places they don't want to go, can you think for the author, what would be a positive? Well, let's put it this way. If we get content warning on movies, we get content warning on TV. How is that any different? There's a lot of books to film and we're, we're books that we maybe haven't read. We're watching as movies. They have a content warning. How is it any different? Video games have content warnings. Do they really? See, I yeah. don't play video games. Yes, they have like, so, yeah. surprisingly <laughs> enough, <laughs> that would be a secret, Janice. <laughs> I think you would get too angry. <laughs> oh, if you knew what a klutz I was, I would lose every single game. I'd rather play solitaire. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so no, it's, it, it's true. It's, it's out there. It's on everything. But as well, especially for indie writers, like if you have a Stephen King, people know what to expect from them. But as an indie writer, you're an unknown and we want people to check out the unknown much more. So also you are depending on reviews to get your algorithms out there, right? So if somebody gets the book and isn't expecting that and they get trapped in in whatever back memories or whatever they're going to be frustrated and that's going mm -hmm. to come out in the review and you don't want that 
Also, I always think of the person who only has so much money left on their um, gift card from Christmas. <laughs> you don't want them to spend the last of it on a book that they find difficult to read. Exactly. Exactly. I feel bad about that because I know what it's like. I am. Um... I'm in your I'm in a position myself, you know, many of us are where we just don't have a lot of money to put out on, on books. And I tend to go with a lot of free books, which is why I had first and series free, because it, it's not just to draw new readers. It's to make gives people something to read when they're not exactly in a position to spend a lot of money on a book. Um, when they do, they should get their money's worth. And, and uh, that's probably and I say this carefully that's probably another good reason to put a content warning when it's a bit iffy exactly exactly it 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 just protects you as an author as well with your audience you don't want to frustrate the audience they're very very no. important no it doesn't take much sometimes you know you're always going to have that one reader after oh. all these years you're going to have one or two readers that just you can't win but that's normal that's life because how dare you have your book and in a cliffhanger, Janice, because that's never been done in the history of writing. And never. No. <laughs> and I love, 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 love a good cliffhanger. I live for a good cliffhanger. I'm not saying does. I love them, but they exist. <laughs> so I'm not saying I haven't thrown the odd book, but I haven't thrown the odd author a bad review because of it either. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle there. Now back to what we were to the book itself. This book begins in the 80s. And so you forget how much the world has changed since the 80s. At one point, you say that Joyce was feeling behind her, her friends from high school because she wasn't having children yet. And she was 22 years old. Like, Correct. so. And that was the norm then, wasn't yes, it? Yes. It was. Yeah, and, exactly. And so. Here is a 22-year-old um, who is supposed to cope with, without the information that we have now, without the internet, without the supports, without any of these things, having to, um, to be the best mom she can be for Evan. Now, things have gotten a bit brighter since then have they not for services for significantly having raised my daughter and then moved into um raising my granddaughter it's like night and day the services are there and the services are often there now for the mom as well or the parents because um, it, it, it's a it's an all-consuming 24-hour-a-day job for many parents with high-needs children and they need it. It's not an option because I did in my day in the 80s, I ended up in hospital two or three times. And I hate to say it, I was on a psych ward and I was exhausted. And I had a fabulous doctor. He just put me in in a private room and said, OK, you'll be out in about six weeks sleep. And that's exactly what I did. I needed time to walk down by the water and I needed time to just find myself again and find the energy to go back and keep going. So it's um I just think we've come such a long, long way. And it seems, too, that the diagnoses are coming out more, too. You're seeing more and more with diagnosed, children with diagnoses that weren't helped in that era, but now can be helped because of progress. 
So in that way, the internet has helped getting information out there and people becoming, well, I think that many special needs moms that I know are the world's best advocates. They have learned grassroots, you know, who to call, where to call. They have fought because they're fighting for their children, but that in turn ends up fighting for all the children in that situation. And so they, so the needs in that have come a long way since the eighties, but those needs have to be, now the fight is to keep them, keep those, them there and keep that understanding of what is needed there. Right. And they could move forward. Um, I remember I was asked to sit on the pilot project for the special education advisory committee for the school boards. And it started out in the area I was living in at the time. There wasn't, the special needs classrooms weren't there. The special needs teachers were just not, a, you know, they just didn't have them. It spread quickly through the province. Things have made a lot of progress. Uh, I haven't got a problem. What One of the things we did is the pendulum swung from here to here because we were trying to make it so that children could be integrated, but that doesn't always work. So we they had to find a balance. And I think they finally came around and I noticed it more in the 90s that they were finally segregating certain children again so that they could have a school experience and not have to deal with. And then for the school assemblies, they would take that class in. They had one-on-one -on -one support and they had all special needs individuals or parents trained to help. So that's important. So it's a blend. You find the happy medium, but it took a, a few years before we got it straight, I think. Um, no, I, I agree. There, we, we learn. You learn as you go. We don't yeah. we don't know all the answers and there aren't all the answers. Sometimes we think we do. Um, <laughs> I know all the answers. I, mean. I, I never do. <laughs> no, no, you never. <laughs> Not about marketing a light and fluffy book. Oh. It makes a difference if someone calls it a silly and fluffy book, but we won't go there, will we, Jim? Okay. <laughs> Um, Susan is looking for some clarification. I'm just going to click on the question here and about the content warnings. Uh, Does yeah. a murder mystery book need a content warning? No. <laughs> but then, picture, no. but then, I mean, you wouldn't need a content warning for the murder that that would be not, but if it takes in some abusive type situations and that you might want to put it once again, it's not cut and clear Janice. Um, you might want to put it in, in there. I would think though, that's a spoiler alert. I mean, mysteries and thrillers and, and some of that is very, um, it'd be very graphic. Um, but that's, but it doesn't it, like, okay. You know, there's going to be a murder. So if you're screamish about murders, you don't go to a murder. You just want to read the right? book. <laughs> uh, you just want to read the book. But if the book were to... Now, boys and girls, we are not arguing. We are discussing and brainstorming. <laughs> so that is what a discussion is. I will love Janice after this. And hopefully Janice will still love me. Of course. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking in cases where... You know, there's, there's a, oh, I don't even want to say it, but there's someone being held hostage and that's, yeah. Okay. And, and something like that. So I think we're looking at more, not your usual, just 
not, not murders or, or, you know, battle scenes or anything that not death itself, death itself is not, <clears throat> but, no. um, just, just, you know, those, those things that I don't even want to bring up. No, I actually think you're right. Um, I think the majority of, of well, particularly cozies, which are huge, that's one of the biggest genres. Yeah. They don't seem to need them. But when you get into some of the raw stuff, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I would think that if it's warranted, it should be there just for sensitive viewers that might might find it difficult. Now, for you, Susan, your um, novella thriller, would it need warning? <laughs> I just read Susan's novella thriller, and I have to admit, it is fabulous. It, fabulous. Is, it, is, it is very, well done, very Susan. good. Yeah. Okay, so we'll make... Bye, Susan. And Brian from the comments is here. And I haven't read it yet. I should have read it before I put it. <laughs> yes, Fading Expectations can be called a difficult book for a reader because it packs a tremendous emotional punch regarding a topic few people know about. But it certainly helps to raise awareness. And yes, it does. It, we need books like this to I'm, I'm going to speak for you Janice. we need books like this we need janice's books so that you can learn about things because books do bring empathy so when we're living it through a character we're feeling their feelings and bringing it more home to us that's how i felt you did janice now you can talk thank you <laughs> and and you know it, there's nothing worse and one of the hardest parts of specialized parenting is the isolation so uh, they raise awareness. If that's what this book does, then thank you, Brian. I am very grateful for you to say that because having read it, you would, you know, you would understand. And I, I truly appreciate that because it's important that people really grasp what, what families in that situation go through. Our school system has done a good, a relatively good job in this province, I would say. Uh, well, that, and, so. and also the understanding that some people do not have control of their actions. And so you can't immediately decide they're doing things for a specific reason, right? So misunderstandings can lead to dangerous situations for special needs individuals. And we don't want that to happen. Now, Susan has both laughed at us and I think that's a laugh. Yes, it's a laugh. And she has said, heart eyes towards us. So we have all the emotions from Susan. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so yes, the needs are growing and, and we, we need them to, yeah, balance. It's always about balance with everything, Janice, right? Oh, well, sometimes unbalance can be fun. <laughs> We're saving that for the light and fluffy. Okay. <laughs> Not that I haven't read it yet, so I don't know if you were unbalanced. I don't remember you being unbalanced while writing it. Um, okay, those those were those were different times while you were writing that book, which is why the light and fluffy is necessary. Also, it shows that sometimes as a writer, you have to do something completely different after fading expectations. But like fading expectations just drew you completely out and sucked the life out of and me. <laughs> <laughs> I had I didn't write for a long time and I it, it's still a challenge. So Sam, the new series, I love Fluffy. Uh, only because 
I needed Fluffy to write. And it's but okay. Let's, let's go there. Let's go into the light and Fluffy now. So the other day, um, while I was saying, you know, how do you, what genre am I putting Sam? First of all, tell us a little bit about Sam. Okay. Sam is a 65-year-old lady in a small town. She's a volunteer. Her husband has left her, of course. She's happy. She has a best friend who's single as well. They're the only two single ladies. They do big sales. They do everything for people. And she's very content. And she has a cat, of course. In every book, there's a cat So um, that I've written. It has to be cats. So it's just a thing. She at the request or the at suggestion of one of the store clerks when she stops to get milk to bake the cookies for the bake sale for the next day. And she knows the clerk well. She said, did you get your ticket? She said, oh, I don't usually buy them. And she said, oh, it's 53 million. So she buys a ticket and the rest is history. The fact that it, she, it's not easy for her. It's not simple. And she has three books to go through before she finally comes to peace with the fact that she is not the person she was and she will never be able to go back. So, but I had fun with them the whole time. I got them into all kinds of, she and a friend, Dolores, got, I got them into all kinds of trouble. I took them to England. I took them on an airplane and they'd never flown. They had fun with that. I got her to Australia and a water truck popped and she got swept into a pole and she was injured and just silly, silly, silly fun. And it was just a fun book to write. So series to write. And my editor is working. I just I'm doing final edits on the first book. We're doing a rapid, supposedly doing a rapid release. So the three of them should be out well before the end of the year. I'm hoping anyway. So we are we are looking at the fact. Now I have always thought this that sometimes books are just entertaining and that is fantastic because we need to be entertained and sometimes we need to escape and the light and fluffy came out strongly during the lockdowns and during a time when people didn't they needed to escape they needed to laugh they needed to they needed to um just be happy and and so they served an important purpose. And I think sometimes um, people forget that. I have something for your readers. Now we were discussing Fluffy. Is Fluffy a genre? Fluffy isn't a genre, but it's a subject. Library of Congress might have it as a genre. That's a, that's one for readers. If they want to, to get back to you and say, yes, there is one in the category for Fluffy, that's good. Goodreads has a light and fluffy or a fluffy section. I was shocked. There's a oodles of books in the fluffy section of Goodreads. And since I'm a huge Goodreads fan, um, that's usually where I go to find books and see what you know other people are reading. Um, no, they, is a category. Yeah, they it's a subgenre. So you can have a mystery light and fluffy, you can have a romance light and fluffy, you can have so it's not just on its own. So you're a woman's fiction light and fluffy. I did my research, Janice. I looked up and I think there should be a category. I don't know if there is. There may well be Oh, a older author, <laughs> older, older reader. There are, you see more and more people writing about people in the, cause the, you know, boomers have grown up. And I was reading a, a New England Journal medicine article where at age 65, your brain starts working with two hemispheres and you're at your most creative. So 
I guess, wait, why don't you wait till you're 65 to write? Well, some people don't, and that's good. They're talented. The rest of us waited. <laughs> we were well, that age among my circle of friends. But having said that, then you're at 70, you're at your peak. I, I, who knew? Who knew? Um, well, I, I mean, <laughs> think about it. Throughout our ancestry, years back, the elders were considered wise for a reason. And then we became a youth culture, right? Um, so what, I'm just going to stand in. So OA would be older adult as opposed to YA, which is younger adult. So it would specifically be for older people. And I think it's important that we go there. I know that I like to watch and read books that have characters that are that much. I always have because it gives you an idea of what it's going to be like. So say, uh, we'll say a television series because people, I mean a movie because people have a tendency to that. So the best the best Marigold Hotel, is that what it is? Have you ever, have you ever watched that? The best little Marigold Hotel. Okay, it's about Sorry. a group of English retirees who for whatever reason end up not having very much money and they all go to India because it's cheaper for this thing and it's 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 possibly light and fluffy but it's really interesting to see that people younger people tend to think that things stop at a certain age um but you know there's still romance I know you there's still romance, Janice. There's still adventure. There's still moving around. There's still drama. There's all of these things that still go on in your life. And I think that's important for us to read and and to, oh my goodness, for us to read and, and see. No, I agree with you entirely. And to also think that we can't say that someone was a genius because they started writing earlier and earlier because everybody has a different life path. Oh, absolutely. Some, I mean, look at the YA writers. I mean, they're, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. Exactly. And, and so whatever our life path happened to be gives us the experience that we're going to write about at some time. No comparing, just because we're all in it. We all need to... Um, yeah, so like no silly, just light, Janice. <laughs> just light. Okay, we have Brian back again. Uh, even Janice's cozy mysteries oh. pack awareness raising into them, both Spencer Funeral Home and Sam. They also deal with choosing appropriate lifestyle styles. Do you see them as themes in your writing? Do you think you are always questioning, pe having people question? What would be right? I, I think Jeff? I sound like I'm bossy, and I could well be. You are. I, um, but we still love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes from parenting all those years. You know what, Brian? I was thinking that the other day, Brian. I absolutely, and I'm getting a leg spasm here. Excuse me, I'm getting old. Um, I definitely, definitely agree. I don't know why. I, I can't just write a book without having. Thanks. The moral it's to the story. Funny. I mean, there was a time yeah. when the moral to the story. I'm not sure. There's, a, there's. Well, there's certainly nothing wrong with it, Janice. Don't, don't go to it. You don't know why. Okay. Well, I, I don't <laughs> think there's too many books out there about funeral directors. So that was an easy write because that was a fiction with funeral service, right? So that was an education because people have funny ideas about uh, as a funeral director. Um, they were. It just they it's not an easy time for them. And it's a career that lo people say, you what? 
you know, they just don't understand that there are people that genuinely chose that line of work. And I did. And I was 40 when I graduated. So, you know, I was later in life. So I do see that as themes in my writing. And thank you for bringing that up, Brian. I hadn't really considered that before. Um, I think I think that, yes, thank you, Brian. <laughs> um, I think that also what funeral directors are also grief counselors. Like you actually take training in that. And, right? Depends not, what, not, where you live, yes. Yeah. Okay, so some. But in this province, you have two years basically of training, and I did post grad as well. So it, I loved every minute. Seriously, I loved every minute of it. But the problem was, again, as a special needs mom, I really thought I was in Toronto, and I really thought I'd be able to hop in the car and drive the four hours home every weekend. And I didn't make one weekend because I was too busy supporting myself, putting myself through, and I. And sometimes when I was on call, because I was working for a transfer service, which I loved, um, I didn't get to bed. Sometimes I go, my longest stint, I think, was 48 hours, and I was hallucinating just from sheer exhaustion. Because you are on 24-hour call, because you people are. don't conveniently um, pass away. Nine to well, five. I don't see how it's much different than a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, someone on call that needs to be available. But in my case, I was on 24 hours a day when I finally did land a job. I was female, so I had a little trouble getting a job. This was in the 90s. And when I did land a job, I was on 24-7, 50 weeks of the year, seven days a week. So I can assure you when I crashed and burned, I crashed and burned and it was over. And I, I just, the whole, the time that I had, it was short, but I loved most of it. I would say I, I genuinely loved working with people. It was, I was meant to, I decided that when I was eight years old, that I was going to be a funeral doctor and to live that finally at that age was amazing. I was gifted to have that privilege. So. And, and I was gifted yeah. to children too. You know, everything so that we, you know, stuff like that, that people would say is, well, why would you be a funeral director? Why would you, raising special needs children can't be easy. No, it's not. But it makes you and shapes you into the person you become. And I think and I like books that are inspiring. That ha I mean, if you go through the, the journey of a book, there needs to be an obstacle for the protagonist to overcome and to learn something from and become more empathetic because of it. So sometimes our challenges do make us more empathetic in the world because we understand something that we might not otherwise. But besides that, I think that the Spencer Funeral Homes if, takes you through the process of what happens when you lose someone you care about and you need to go to. So it offers a service in that way. Also, as letting you know what you're going to go through what you're going to um take in so it does a lot of things on a whole lot of levels and you don't tell people the choices that they should make janice you give them the choices and then they can decide in their books thank you for that because i don't i can't i mean grief is it's not a linear process nobody grieves in the same way and that everybody's experience with their grief journey is very very different um and even in the uh, the business itself, there are people that deal differently with death and some are okay with it. Some don't cope well with it. You have to be there for everybody that walks through that door. And, and, and as you said, differently, like completely differently. Now, Susan has an interesting <laughs> question. 
<laughs> are there a lot of older women protagonists in light and fluffies? Like, do we? No, not that I noticed, but that was just the Goodreads list. So. I, I'm thinking older women, older women read more than yes. like women read more than men. So that may be a part of it. The books that older women write are directed to women. And I don't think that, um, no, I'm not even going to say that. I would get into so much trouble. I'll save that for later. <laughs> I was going to say Oh, I love a little trouble. <laughs> I won't have any older men listeners. <laughs> so, it'll just disappear. No, there are some things Vicky has to keep in her own head. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, some that it's older women writing it so um and they have to deal with a lot of stuff aging parents but many are looking after their aging parents many of them still have responsibilities outside of the home as far as volunteer work and volunteer they need they have all these people they care about so it makes sense that it would be mostly older women because they're writing and because they need to see something light and fluffy and get all those things out of their head. Don't you think? And I think too, um, the angst and the struggles and when we get a little more mature in life and we are, you know, we don't have as many responsibilities, we're retired, then it's easier to be light and fluffy than it is when you're going through the situations that you might find yourself in when you're younger and raising a family and struggling and older parents and all that sort of thing. So. Okay, so before I go on to the next question, I just want to, you know, I think sometimes that word, we get so used to certain words being seen in a negative way, or, or we don't, so I, I like the idea of light and fluffy. Now, when Janice first brought this to my attention, um, she said, silly and fluffy and i'm like you can't market a word like i have no problems with silly because i see jester and i see happiness and that but a lot of people just think that books are there to teach you some right am i right or am i going off here janice i'm sure you are right you have your rant vicky doesn't matter how many people are listening so, no but we do you know when i see so silly has more of a derogatory connotation by most of society not vicky but most of society i think i'm going to make that call but light is like blankets on a, on a clothesline in a warm sun with the fluffy clouds it is just peaceful Right. So I think I think I think there's a huge place for light and fluffy. And I think we need more of it. I have read an author and we've discussed this privately. Um, Cam, I think his name is Cam McDonald. He's an uh, uh, Irish writer. His books are they're absolutely silly, for lack of a better word. You're howling. Yeah, no, silly is a good word for in that case. It is. And I, I absolutely love, love, love his work. Love it. We need to change sometimes. We, you know, I, I, I take, I, I read serious works, believe it or not, I actually do. Uh, and I learn from them, but I, sometimes I just need a break, you know? Why wouldn't we believe you read serious? 
very serious with your scarf and very and very like a mature knowledge. Well, getting dressed woman. up is a challenge. You and that <laughs> says whether you believe it or not. Um, yeah, laughter is the best medicine, and we all need it more. I think, especially as we get older, and we may not be able to get out like we used to, or or whatever the case may be. Laugh, people laugh every chance you can get. That's true. I think that's why some of us have cats. <laughs> They're definitely entertaining. Okay, so what's Brian up to now? Could OA <laughs> or older question. adult fiction be considered a coming of age genre for those of us entering our second childhoods? Janice? I love that, Brian. I love that. That I that would I wouldn't have categorized it as that but you nailed it what do you think vicky oh definitely that's why i say i always read 10 years ahead because you have it is a different life so there's there's retirement coming there is you know a certain last time i said people have responsibilities now i'm saying they're letting go of them but <laughs> balance people it's a little of both but yes you're going into we don't celebrate we don't, we don't celebrate going into that enough. It's always like, oh my goodness, I'm retired. What will I do now? Well, you know what? You should have been thinking of that 10 years ago because I have a whole list of things for you to be doing now. It's you can just decide you're going to do a radio show. Exactly. <laughs> Off you go. Decide, decide to start writing books. It's, yes, it's endless. All the things that you can do. So yes, I think definitely there needs to be it is well i mean i to agree they do that because what do they call um they say that seniors are like teenagers you know you see those commercials where the kids are like oh, the there's a word they use think of that word brian and put it in the comments okay saddest <laughs> things i think is when you run into a, a person your age and my our age and they're bored i have and they never don't know what bored. to do with themselves i cannot cannot get that through my head i just some days are so crazy and i i'm busier now i think than i ever was but i'm also happier now than i ever was so you know you it is i guess what you make it the time is ticking people the time is ticking and we um teenagers senior teenagers yes i understand that teenage <laughs> put that up because i understand I understand that teenagers would be senior teenagers. Yes. yes. Ooh, so he's brilliant. Like you, um, you need to keep your mind around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's be clarify here. I have another man. <laughs> Brian is not my man. I just know him from writers group. Okay. We have a older authors writers group, and um, Brian is a part of that. So um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to introduce him yet, but so he helps out with words. You know, I, I talk fast. I think quickly and many will say not correctly, but sometimes the words don't catch up with me. So then the, Brian's there to put those words in for me. I mean, he has a purpose. <laughs> I can't keep him around because I don't have any, any rights to Brian. All right. <laughs> or, or, but he's important part. Really? He's a, he, he comes up with some good questions. He oh, really oh yes, I've definitely. Watched every show definitely. And I have to admire him. 
But you said you have to keep them around, and that sort of sent other connotations. <laughs> I should, um, I mean, not that I would be, I'm just going to stop talking about it now, Janice. You've gotten <laughs> into, into a situation. So we've hit, so I just want to bring something up to encourage people to read the Spencer Funeral Mystery. Niagara Thank you. series. Okay, of course, that's my that's my role in life. Encourage people to read and encourage people to read books yeah. I like. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so this part of I learned this later. Part of the funeral director's training was to prepare for a pandemic because they are always possible. So in book four of her series, first call. And I read this, Janice, four years ago? It can't be four years ago. I, I was maybe it would have, in 2019. It was published, yeah. And yeah, I, so it, I read it. So it was, it, but when I read it, it was pretty close to that time coming up. So I read this book and it was so, it was so, Smitty, you're working on that one now. It was so intense that at two o'clock in the morning, I was like, oh my gosh, this could happen. And I need to get groceries now. Like, I'm telling you, this book was so intense and had me so involved that even when the real pandemic came up, I didn't go writing for groceries. Okay. I never ran out of toilet paper, but that, um, that is. <laughs> It was the important thing. <laughs> but this book was was very intense and very real. And all this series takes place in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. And it was it it was. That is my favorite of all all the the Spencer funeral homes. Um you. that you that you wrote. That one was intense, it was dead on, it was it it it, it was like I said. It, it scared me more than the real thing did. So. Well, I don't know what where where my mind went, but when I was a little girl and wanted to be a film director, I started reading about pandemics because I don't. I guess I read a lot as a child, um, and I don't recall ever not. Like I followed pandemics for years, and I could see that we. And it didn't take a rocket scientist to see that we were heading in that direction. It was just a matter of when. It just happened to hit shortly after that book was published. It wasn't prophetic. It was just. Preparation. No, no. You know, it's it, it's. I still think it's it's probably one of my better works. I whipped that off in just a couple of months. It was an easy book to write, actually. I I think that writers tend to be very observant people because you know they they're looking for characteristics. They're looking for all of those things, and that if you're a very observant person, you can start you just start to feel that certain things are happening instinctually so you know you are you thinking people aren't observant? i'm thinking observant or nosy uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry i think that's one of those you say nosy i say observant <laughs> once again you say silly i say light <laughs> and i say fluffy <laughs> fluffy's okay either way fluffy's pillows and going to sleep and calmness. i mean if someone wants to tell me about bad meaning for fluffy well i'm just ignoring them okay i don't need that um fluffy is wonderful but i i think that because there's a lot of things 
in the history of books and writing where authors have come up with something happening, you know, like the Titanic or, you know, a large freighter going down or whatever. And people say, oh, wow. But I think it's because they're so good at looking at different individual things and putting them together in a storyline that sometimes they just come up with one that's bound to happen. Right. So yeah, totally. So, yep, I um, you know, they're, I'm not going to say geniuses, <laughs> no, but <laughs> some are, <laughs> some are, but they do, um, they do tend to, to observe these things happening against humanity, against, um, <laughs> with humanity. Okay. So Brian says he lives to serve, which he always says, but I believe he should add to that and cause trouble. Now, what is <laughs> now oh, that you're nearly done no with pressure. the Sam. Oh, why is he? <laughs> he knows. Oh, so, you're nearly he, done he, with the Sam series. Do you have plans for that? No, he's asking you this on air because he's scared to ask you that. <laughs> no witnesses. Somebody put um, him up to this. <laughs> and do you have plans for the next thing? No pressure. No, I'm not I do not have plans for the next thing. In fact, I may just pull back. Um, I, I'm finding, I'm not burned out. I am just, I have absolutely nothing left in the tank. And I, I may, if I do write, it'll happen spontaneously and it may well end up being another standalone. I can't answer that. And there's no pressure. I agree. I mean, that's the one nice thing about writing is at least when you're a, an indie and you don't have deadlines to meet, you can do it on your own path. Then you don't have to worry about pressure from anybody saying you need to write another book so and so there brian <laughs> thanks for asking okay just susan is bye susan <laughs> susan is leaving um we are getting close to the end but i want to bring that particularly up that because okay bye brian brian you need to get a new profile pick for me to use for next week's show i want Janice, back me on this one. I want one that I can see his face on. Oh, I think that's a good uh, idea. I agree. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to to uh, we'll, we'll, we'll I wonder what he looks like. But with with the lack of pressure, writing can be a joy. When we're writing, we do not always have to be thinking about publishing it or getting it to a certain market or following what needs to be followed to fit into a certain genre. We can write joyfully what we want to write. Let that book come. And I think that's something that comes more with um, wisdom and age. You know that the chances of becoming a I don't have to work writer are nil. <laughs> I encourage, and I, I still have back in my head, you know, someday, someday when I get this done, you know, maybe it will be like Sam, but um, tendency is to write what you love. And when you do that voice that you were meant to have is the one that shows just like it did in fading expectations. Get the book, people, get the book. Um, we want a movie. So next week, our guest, <laughs> Is Brian, I'm going to, I say Griner, right? 
Thank so you. I, I would say it would be Griner. Yeah. Yeah. This is what happens when you just know people on the internet. You write their name, but how often do you say their last name? Yeah, so exactly. Next week's guest is Brian Griner. He is a science fiction writer whose creativity goes far beyond writing. We'll be visiting him in the wonderful workshop. <laughs> where all his mad inventions will be um, being put together. And we'll be focusing on his The Saga of Bob series because I love the Bob series. And honestly, there is, um, Brian writes big, big books and I cannot, oh, I pronounced it correctly. Um, Brian writes big books and I cannot <laughs> lie. So he will keep you busy with the Bob series. And also, I noticed when I checked out the Amazon page this morning, the Haiku Cat uh, a book of is is up, and you didn't know either. I was like, no. what? I was oh. hurt. My heart was broken. No one told me. You and oh, I you... came up with that idea. Yeah, <laughs> I you did. Say that. <laughs> we encourage our fellow writers. Yes. So Haiku Cat is haikus that his cat Eddie has written over time. Um, they're wise and he's willing to share that wisdom to it so that is up on amazon for um 3.99 um do we agree with that price janice <laughs> well you know he writes he the bob series is amazing he's a gifted gifted writer um it's uh, it's brilliant but his haiku is it's it's spot on i love his haiku and his cast nice too Oh, his cat's beautiful. Do you notice that that in our little um, writers group that we're all black cat owners? Mm -hmm. That's a bit weird. Um, I don't know. They just come to us, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Now, so because Brian, who comments, is, is like my greatest commenter and has fantastic questions there, will be behind, will be in front on the screen. Um... It's $3.99 US, $4.99 Canadian for the ebook. The paperback is more. Brian, can you stop plugging until next week? Chances <laughs> <laughs> this week. <laughs> um, because Brian will be out from the comments and in front of the camera. Uh, so we need more commenters and questioners out there. So, you know, think about it. Get here and really get to the roots of who Brian is. Until then. May your coffee be hot and your story sweet. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're going to go goodbye, Janice. <laughs> Bye to the people, Janice. <laughs>